Thank you, Lord Jesus. Do me a favor before you get comfortable. Would you turn around, stand up if you got to, walk across the aisle. Tell somebody you haven't seen that you are happy to see them in the house of the Lord. Said that old school house of the Lord. to have made it through this week. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. I got to say one quick thing. Yesterday, I had the, uh, the wonderful privilege of being able to help out over at Jimmy's Grill as they did a crawfish bowl for missions. And as far as I know, Jimmy, I'm over a thousand pounds, I'm not for sure, but I know there was a lot of, a lot of crawfish crossed over uh, into glory land yesterday for a purpose of missions. Come on, somebody over $7,000 and hey we appreciate we appreciate everything he has done and he did there's somebody else here this morning who probably would rather me not say something and I'm not gonna make him raise his hand but Joe is here this morning and Joe is responsible for us being able to fix the septic system a wonderful thing that they did for this church it's highly appreciated by a wonderful wonderful man wonderful wonderful man hey it is small group season look at your neighbor and say small group season it's also turkey season. The biggest turkey hunter in this church is sitting on the drums right now. So I'm proud, first of all, for all the turkey hunters for being here today. <laughs> I almost didn't make it. <laughs> but I'm happy. Small group season. If you have not joined a small group, by all means, please download our app and go on there. And you can look through, find out, join a small group, get connected with somebody Find somebody that you can be in fellowship with. Amen? Let's try that again. Amen? Amen. <laughs> There's one thing about changing yourself, and a lot of times that's that you got to change your crowd. Yeah, most of y'all here know me and my history, and I may at some point talk about it, but you got to change your crowd if you're going to change your direction, and that is a great way to do it, to get around good, wonderful, godly people. Also, I do want to state on that back table right there, there is a sheet of paper. Everybody back, look back here and see that piece of paper because it may not count for you, but it's going to count for somebody else. On that paper, it's asking for three things, a name, a phone number, and an email address. We're going to have worship tryouts, and if you yourself would like to help us out and join the worship team, by all means, go back there and sign yourself up. If you know somebody <laughs> that sings well in the shower, and you feel like they, you go ahead, put their name, their phone number, and their email address down, and we might just make them, give them a phone call and get them up here. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but we are going to have worship trials coming up very soon, so please, by all means, fill out the piece of paper in the back. Hey, we've been talking for the last several weeks, and I thought I was not going to do it this week, and I found out that I was wrong about how to build we had the difference in an AR and an ER, an AR like an AR-15, show something of war, A-L-T-E-R being something of an emergency. And I think that it seems like weekly I find myself worshiping at each. <laughs> you're the pastor, you're not supposed to say that. It's true. 
Sometimes there's, there's things that happen and I realize what I'm praising in my life is the emergencies that are around me. It's the circumstance. And I'm not actually standing in front of an altar and giving it and sacrificing it to God. It's a, it's a human nature, common problem issue. I thought that I was done with this. And God decided that I was not. And he gave me the title and give it to your neighbor. Look at him, tell him, say, idols and altars. Idols an altar. Now, we've been talking for several weeks about how to build an altar. And just in case you're new to church and y'all look, I did a wedding yesterday evening. I don't remember the name. Fairhope, Alabama. I'd never been there before. I'm not a big fan of Alabama because I don't like Alabama football. Y'all forgive me already. I'm an LSU fan. So when I have to cross that border, I have to pray every single time. But I, I, I went over to Fairhope, Alabama. I discovered that's a beautiful place, by the way. I didn't know Alabama, anything that had a, hor a horrible football team, could have a town that beautiful, but they did. Forgive all my Alabama fans. I, I don't even ask for forgiveness. I take it back. If you're new here, I am the pastor. I'm sorry. It's not an older guy with a suit coming up. It's me. This is what you get. But we were in Fairhope, Alabama, and, and, and I was doing a wedding yesterday evening. I believe it was the sheriff's daughter in Fairhope and her now husband. And, and I didn't realize that the notes that I, I'll be honest with y'all, and I didn't even admit it to them afterwards, but that I, I have done something weird about me. I've done Jewish weddings also. So if you look deep enough in my Facebook, you'll see me with a kippah. <laughs> For those of you who know what that is. But, I mean, I'm talking about mazel tov, stomp the glass the whole nine yards. I've done it. Didn't grow the beard out long enough for it, but we got there. So, anyway, my, my, my notes yesterday evening for this wedding, I get to the very end, and it's the ring ceremony portion, and I didn't realize that I had said according to the law of Moses, and, you know, I, I, it was Jewish. I had forgotten and mixed up the notes from the Jewish wedding to this Christian, you know, normal wedding, and the bride looked up at me like this, and, and I didn't know what to do, so I just leaned forward, and I said, you're joining a cult. <laughs> They didn't know what they were asking for. They asked me to marry them yesterday, but I really did. And she had like fear in her eyes for half a second, and then she started laughing. <laughs> I said, I'm just kidding. It's, this is, this is, it is biblical. Like, look it up. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do, so I just kept going. <laughs> Turn around. This is the couple. They're married. God bless them. <laughs> Moving on. People get worried about what they are building an altar to. <laughs> they get worried about what they're supposed to be doing and supposed to be saying. Generally speaking, it's not just that you're worried about whether or not you're building an altar to God, but sometimes we get worried as to what type of altar we're building to God. What's this commitment going to look like, God? If I, if I really agree to this, if I say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Some old Pentecostal people heard that song before. What, what's it going to look like? Am I really going to have to give it up? Am I going to have to walk away? Do I have to look like a weirdo? Do I have to look like a freak just to be a Christian? One of the things I say to people almost every week, did you know you can be a Christian and be normal? They're like, what? Yeah, you can. You can be a Christian and be normal. You can be cool. You can hang out with people. Be friendly and godly at the same time. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy concept, I know, in the religious world of today. But you can be a Christian, live for God, and still be normal. Some, some of my normal people say amen. Y'all all consider yourselves normal. Y'all ain't all normal. I know better, okay? <laughs> I was going to be honest with you. We're going to be in the book of Genesis. If you have a Bible, Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. If you haven't read your Bible in a while, it's at the very front. If you can't find it, you ain't been in church in way too long. Come on, somebody. Genesis chapter 13. We're going to begin reading at verse number 1. 
Verse number one. I want to talk a little bit this morning about how that we can carry some idols to the altar. We can carry some habits and some hang-ups into a relationship with God and call it holy. Now, for those of you who are not normal to church, let me say this. When I say how to build an altar, this isn't a place we're going to throw stones out and cut a goat's throat here in a minute, okay? (laughs) It's all right. Not that kind of church. No snake. Somebody pulls out a snake, I'll be the first one leaving, just so you know. I will be out. This is not northern Alabama. Alabama's just getting it today. That's all I can say. None of that was in my notes. But, but when we talk about building an altar, what we're talking about is finding a place of sacrifice and prayer and talking to God and being in a relationship with Jesus. You see, church seems to think that it's built around do's and don'ts. Don't do that. Do do this. Don't do that. Who are you talking to? Where are you at? What do you smell like? That's what we think the church looks like. But the truth is, is you are the church. This building is not. This is just a building that's got walls and sheetrock and some paint and some people that can play the P-Nanner. We know we just come here together together to learn something so that we can be the church outside these walls. Come on, church. That's the purpose and the reason why that we are here. We're here so we can be the church. So whenever I talk about how to build an altar, what I'm actually talking about is how to be in a relationship with a man named Jesus. Because you can be friends with me all day long, and if you look at me too close, I will screw it all up. (laughs) you will not be happy and at some point you're going to be I'm not for sure if that's Jesus I'm not Jesus don't look at me look at him I want to show us how to build an altar and how to talk to a God that you can look up to come on somebody Genesis chapter 13 beginning in verse 1 we're going to be talking about Abraham but so you know this is before his name was Abraham his name was changed his name was Abram at this point same man just a little bit shorter name don't let it confuse you Verse number one, so Abram went up to Egypt from Negev with his wife and everything that he had. And Lot went with him. Abram had become a very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. Can I make a statement right quick? I'm just going to stop before I just in the middle of scripture reading and say this. God really has like forced me to preach this sermon today. Normally, whenever I come up to preach, I have an idea who I'm preaching to. Maybe it's a group. Maybe I have no clue today. So if while I'm preaching today, you think I'm preaching to you, (laughs) it's God talking to you. Okay, just so you know. Verse number three, from the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, or Ai, where he sent, where his tent, I'm sorry, had been earlier. Verse number four, and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. So both of them blessed. Both of them blessed. But the land could not support them while they stayed together. They had cowboy problems. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. We got so much stuff, it don't all fit in one house. It's the reason why there's big money in storage units. Never understood that one. My wife and I are good at throwing stuff away. And I'm good at recollecting it, I'll be honest with y'all. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great they were not able to stay together. And quarreling, (laughs) quarreling arose between Abram's herders and lots. They got cowboy problems. The Canaanites, the parasites, I mean the parasites, the termites, were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. What he said is family don't fight. Y'all know that. Family don't fight, right? 
It's not, it's, it's not the whole land before you let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and he saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord and like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan. And he set out toward the east. The two men, the Bible says, parted company. You go that way, I'll go this way. You ever had somebody like that in your life? We family, I love you. You go that way, I'm going to go this way. We're not going to have any more cowboy problems. No more showdowns. Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived amongst the cities of the plain. And the Bible says, and pitched his tents near Sodom. I've preached that scripture. I can't tell you how many times, especially back in the old penny days. Stop pitching your tent towards sin. It's not where we're going today. Calm down. Verse number 13. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Hey, can we pray before we go any further, if you don't mind? Heavenly Father, I don't know what you're doing this morning, God, but I know you won't let this one loose. So for whoever it is, I pray, God, that today is the day that they change themselves knowing that this word is from your mouth. I am only a vessel. Let somebody leave differently than the way that they came. Let the Holy Ghost, I pray, come into this room. Yes. Let somebody be filled like they never have before. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. Hey, just to make sure y'all awake, will y'all give him a hand clap of praise? Thank you for your word, Jesus. Now, through all of that scripture that I read this morning, I want to focus on one. I read a lot to get to one. So Lot chose for himself, verse 11, the whole plain of Jordan, the Bible says, and set out. Anybody here ever been to a place in your life where you done made a choice and you ready to set out? I had enough. I hitched up to this wagon. We're going to take me and my toys and go home. We live in a very divided world. If you don't know it, then you got your head in the sand. But we live in a very divided world. I watched a man the other day on social media. He was talking about people from my generation, and he was talking about the generation after us. He said, you know, he said, whenever I was a kid, he said, people always wonder why guys at 40 and 42 years old, we don't have a problem with racism. He said, because whenever I was a kid, schools were integrated and it was normal. He said it wasn't until social media came around that all of a sudden people discovered they were supposed to have an opinion. He said, we didn't have one. He said, social media has divided. Now, what I'm fixed to do this morning, I can tell already, is tie everything you've heard in this year to one sermon. The problem I had with this sermon this morning was because it talked about relationships. And I thought, God, I talked about relationships for like four weeks. I said the S word so many times that we almost had elders leave. Like, can we please move on? But God said, no. But we live in a divided world, not just not just over, over the social issues, but we live in a divided world whenever it comes to scriptural issues. Church against church. What type of Bible do you read? Are you KJV only? Are you NIV? Is it just you? Where is this coming from? We live in a world that is completely and utterly divided. We don't have conversations anymore. We have comment sections. We, we no longer have dinner time talks where we sit around the table. Instead, we read somebody's tweet. We, we don't have the ability anymore to agree to disagree. Anybody here remember whenever you were young and it was okay to just agree to disagree? You got your opinion? I got mine? Cool. Huh? <laughs> it's amazing how that you can agree, disagree with somebody 
and not have to be your enemy. It's like you got a different one. Wonderful. I called David this week. And in the conversation, I realized, Brandon, your personality is quite domineering. <laughs> it was God, okay? I'm talking, and I realized it in the conversation, and I stopped. And I said, David, you know, you don't have to agree with me. As a matter of fact, I'm just fine if you disagree with me. We can agree to disagree. <laughs> it's not a problem because I know what I am called to do. I'm called to do this right here. David is called to be a worship pastor. Great. You do your job. I do my job. <laughs> I know it's crazy in church. Y'all think it's an odd thing. Like, Pastor, you're supposed to lead everything. No, I'm not. God is. Anyway, that's not in my notes. But if you have a different view in today's world, they have this new term they put out. It's called cancel culture. Cancel culture. Well, you disagree with me? Oh, you ain't nobody. You cancel. God forbid you say you have, a, you have a, an opinion about somebody's homosexual lifestyle. Hmm, everybody got quiet all of a sudden. God forbid you say that you have, you have an, if you have an opinion, they will cancel you completely. It don't matter if it's a conviction or not. It don't matter if it's biblical or not. If you have an opinion that's different than theirs, then they will cancel you. Cancel culture. We're divided by rich and by poor, by Republican and Democrat and independent. We're divided by the things that are expired and the things that are still good. There are some people in this room right now, I want you to look around, look at the face of the person next to you. They will take a perishable the air and look at it. Look at the date to find out. Look at the date to find out. What's the date? So today's the, what's the day? It's only like two days. It's ah, good enough. You, you will actually, you will, you will, you will warn your, you will, whether you're going to live or die according to a date on a jug of milk. You will, you, you'll do that. And, and, and then, what, what is the date? It's all right. It's, it's close enough. We're good enough. My, 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 oh Lord, I hope Nana's not watching this. My wife's grandmother, y'all. She lived through the depression, and she'll freeze milk. Well, the problem is she got too much frozen milk. She'll bring you some. <laughs> you get a frozen jug of milk, and you hold it up, and you're like, good Lord. This is like from 1999. <laughs> oh, baby, if you thaw it out, it'd be just fine. Nana, I love you, but I ain't doing it. I'm so, I appreciate the gift. I will accept it, but it's going to go to the holy place. My dad had a, he had a trash can. He called the spot whenever I was a kid for those little old ladies that bring stuff to church. Pastor, we brought you something. And they'd ask him later, Pastor, you enjoy it? He'd say, Sister, that hit the spot. <laughs> that is no joke. My dad's pastor had a boat. My dad's pastor had a boat. It was called Aaron's. It was Aaron's. And the people called the church. It's Pastor Ian. No, he's out running errands today. <laughs> Pastor's on the rivers where he was at. We got to come up with something for turkey hunting. Help me. <laughs> and there's some people that they'll even go further than looking at the date. And they do something that I cannot because I have a weak stomach. They'll open that cap up and hang that thing over the top. <laughs> Telling you right now, I'm not hanging my nose over spoiled milk. Because I will create a commotion in the kitchen. But people will, 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 they will actually trust their life to their nose. 
as to whether y'all, hey, somebody, if you don't know, salmonella is a real thing. Okay, and you will go to the hospital with it. But I worry about people like this because what does your life decision-making process look like? How are you really coming up with it? You see, there are two different types of expiration dates. There's one that is the best buy. You know what the best buy, best buy this date. And there's another one that says best before, like milk and chicken. It's best before this date. Now, you, 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 you look at it and you got to make a decision. Is it best buy or is it best before? And if you get the two mixed up, you got a problem with how things have expired. Now, I am very thankful for expiration dates. I'm thankful for expiration dates. They let me know when I'm done with a the product. <laughs> they do. They let me know when it's over with. But I have one question this morning. It's simply this. How do you know when a relationship has expired? How do you know? Can you sniff them? Mm-mm. She don't smell right. Can, can I, 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 y'all, I wanted to use this so bad in the wedding yesterday, but I didn't figure these people would find it funny. But like tattoos are a big thing. I was like, could you get like a tattoo on the back of their neck that lets me know when this relationship's done? <laughs> All of a sudden when things are going bad, I look at the back of the neck. Oh, pff, no wonder. It was six weeks ago. <laughs> Should have been over already. Here I am in front of you. But how do we know? Unfortunately, people don't have expiration dates. Now, whenever I was a kid, I had that best friend forever. Girls, y'all are big into this. My daughter already. She's got a girl. There's a little girl in Texas right now that has half of a BFF. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all had the friendship bracelets. All these things. We, we, we thought when we were kids that we were going to be best friends forever. We had no idea. We'd probably never see them again. I remember whenever I graduated high school, I was like, man, I will know these people for the rest of my life. This is my crew. Yeah. I don't talk to a single one of them. Whenever I came out of basic training in the Army, I thought to myself, I've been through hell with these guys. My ride or die forever. I ain't talked to a single one of them. I don't even know where they're at. One of them. He works for John Deere. He's from Fort Smith, Arkansas. Little redhead. But we think that it's going to last forever, having no idea that a lot of the relationships. One man this week, he made the comment. He said, I've discovered something about myself. He said, God didn't call me to be in people's lives forever. He said, most of the relationships, I'm there to help them become a better person, and then God's going to move me on. So how do I know? Because y'all know one thing. If you stay in that relationship with that person too long, something ain't going to smell right. So at what point, Abram? Do I go right, you go left, or I go left, and you go right? And how do I do this without making enemies? Because God's called me to do something that I don't know what I'm supposed to do. When you think as a child, though, you don't realize that some are for a reason and some are for a season. We don't think that relationships are going to end. What about marriage, Pastor? What about marriage? I'm married. Except for my marriage now. No, but first of all, no matter what I say today, if you're married, suck it up. <laughs> Unless you're in an abusive relationship. Otherwise, if you're married, you're going to have to fix it. Look at your neighbor and say, fix it. Fix it. I'd love if you looked at your spouse when you said that, but I watched like most men are like, fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm one of you. I, I get it. We, we, we don't want to hurt ourselves later. <laughs> I've never been to a wedding, though, where, where, where a husband and wife looked at each other right in the eyes and said, I love you. This is going to be the best seven months of my life. And the wife looked back at him and said, 
You gave it seven? <laughs> I was aiming for like three. <laughs> I've never heard that before from two people in love with one another looking at each other. They, they never have done that. They always say the same thing. It's going to last forever. Forever and always. You see, expiration is tied to our expectation. The problem is not the expiration, it's, the expe- it's what you expect. Your expiration is tied to your expectation. What, we're gonna look, what are we looking for? What we're looking for is according to the movies. We're looking for something that somebody that completes me. That's what we say. I want somebody who completes me, Pastor. She just, she just completes me. That's all there is to it. He just completes me. I was just a half a person walking around. One arm, one leg, not Mike. And then next thing you know... Mike's not even in here to defend himself this morning. Mike's the one-legged guy for the new people. Looking for somebody to complete us. Should this be true, that means that there's only half people walking around all over the world. Don't put the weight of completion, first of all, on somebody else. Don't put the weight of completion on somebody else. The only person that can carry the weight of completion is the one that carried the cross. If you ain't whole, go find Jesus and get yourself a whole person. He didn't die on half a cross. He died on a whole cross. He died all the way so that you could be exactly what he wants you to be. Anybody here know what it's like to be depleted by somebody who's incomplete? Know what it's like to be depleted by somebody who's looking for you for completion? All of a sudden, you're finding yourself drugged down. Why am I in this relationship in the first place? You're dating a half a person. Depleted by someone who wants to be completed by you. Completion is something that only God can do. What happens is this. You create an idol of the thing that you want to complete you. Listen very carefully to the words that I'm saying. You create an idol to the thing. Why do they have a show called American Idol? What does that person do? Sing, like backflips, throw knives well. I'm going to tell you right now, as a young man, the last thing I needed was somebody to complete me. They could throw a knife very well. It would have been a dangerous home for me. Walking around, making idols of things and people. I remember whenever I was a kid. What is she? Oh, Daddy, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever met in my life. She's so gorgeous. She was my idol. Had no clue. That that idol was only there for about this long. I was looking for completion. Ended up depleted and out doing things that God had never intended. That was not his purpose for me and for my life. The problem with these idols and altars is that you love them and then you hate them. I love her. She's so awesome. Who in the world is that? That's not who I was talking to last week. What did he do? Why would she say that? We love them and then... We hate them because they cannot fulfill the promise that they gave you. You said it was going to be forever, and you said you were going to be awesome, and it was so lovely, and that would be at the altar. Now what happened? We have placed completion on someone instead of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, and I, by the way, I love, I love the church of Corinth. As one man put it, they had righteousness and righteousness at the same time. <laughs> Younger crowd, get that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, he says, do not. Look at your neighbor and say, don't. Just so we get that in Florida, Southern Florida language. 
be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness what harmony is there between Christ and Belial or what does the believer have in common with an unbeliever what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols for we are the temple of the living God as God has said I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people therefore come out look at your neighbor say come out from among them and be separate says the Lord touch no unclean thing and I will receive you not a popular scripture in today's world y'all know that be separate my body's the what no preacher I get my own choice and I live on love and grace that's what I get don't tell me my body's the temple because if that means I had to clean the temple and there's sometimes the temple needs to be a little Y'all think I'm joking. You ought to pastor a church in 2022. <laughs> You'd be surprised at the things you'll hear. If you're upset at me this morning, just so you know, I like to preach the word of God. And the word of God sometimes hurts. Get over it. Paul is talking about them not being connected to an unbeliever. Married to is what he's talking about. What, he got, what got me through this is in the middle of this, he's talking about idols. What got me in, when I read it, I said, well, I, where in the world does idols come in this scripture? It didn't really make sense. He said, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Like, this is my wife, not my idol. This is my girlfriend, not my idol. It's my hunting trips, not my idol. It's just a, I just lost my mic. It's just a sport, not my idol. Stop pushing buttons back there. <laughs> you must know that the church of Corinth was a church of compartmentalization. Big word. The church of Corinth was a church of compartmentalization. What does that mean? That means that the church of Corinth had the ability to do what men do. All the men here know what I'm talking about. We have the ability to compartmentalize. What does that mean? We walk into a room and we got out from outside and we were mad at somebody. We can turn it off, walk into the room and smile. What happened? That was him. Oh, we upset at each other. I'm good. Ladies. Y'all ain't good at compartmentalizing. I'll just be honest with you. If you was mad at them, you're mad at us. You will carry it from glory to glory. From one to the next. From, from the beginning to the end. The alpha, the omega is a lady's temper. Which you get mad. That's the reason. It's biblical. A scorned woman. <gasps> the church of Corinth was a church, a complete church body. that had gotten good. They had gotten good at compartmentalization. You see, compartmentalization, men's not always good. Because there's some times that you need to be mad. There's times you need to be glad. And we compartmentalize and go into a room whenever we're not prepared for the situation. And what happens is we compartmentalize as a church to where that we come to the altar. And we've only brought in God to what we expect his expectation is. And we forget to bring truth to an altar. We forget to bring who we really are. Oh, holiest father, how art thou today? Blessed be thy name. God's like, you ain't, this is, you ain't King James. I told a man yesterday, standing at the crawfish bowl, I said, you know what? The biggest problem with the United States of America is today. He said, what's that? I said, we forgot to talk to God like we talk to each other. Right. Hey, God, today sucks. Yeah. Not a good one. Wife being a brat. <laughs> Help me. Help me, Jesus. I said, whenever you come to a place of authenticity and you learn to, to come to God, not compartmentalize, but you come to God with an honesty and with the truth about who you are, then God has the ability to change you, to make you new, to make you whole again. But you've got to first show up with what God gave you, and that is real. Come on, somebody. 
compartmentalization. They gave their body on Sunday, but they forgot to give God their body on Friday. Paul is trying to let them know that if you connect yourself to the unbeliever, if you connect yourself to the unbeliever, Jesus is not sitting on the throne of your heart. Something else is. This means that whatever is on the throne of your heart, of their heart, is what is on the throne. Uh, whatever is on the throne of your heart will be on the throne whenever you are with God and without God. And if you're trying to put God on the throne of your heart, you're going to have a war inside of yourself. God, I'm holding on to the idol. I'm holding on to the idol of money. I'm holding on to the idol of my ideology. I'm holding on to the idol of, of this is the way it should be. I just like it the way it was. You're holding on to these different things on the old relationships. That's the reason why you can't get rid of them off your Facebook. you got to keep them in the background as a friend. I'm not answering their DM, but I'm still friends with them. You're holding on to something the entire time trying to claim godliness. And I want to tell you something. If God is going to be on the throne of your heart, there is no way that you can have an idol on your heart and God on the throne of the same time he said beside me there is no other God is either going to be the God of all or he's not going to be the God at all you've got to make a choice which way you're going to live who you're going to serve what you're going to do and God says if you'll do it the way that I tell you to if you'll let me live on the throne of your heart he says I'll change you I'll make a difference I'll change your life I'll change the way you think I'll change the way you smell you act I want to do it but get rid of your idols I want to guide all, not just a little bit. Hmm. What happens is we don't discover the cross to be an addition symbol assigned to our life where you, we think instead that we can, just, we can just add on whatever we want to deal, will. The cross becomes an add-on. This is a problem back in Abraham's time. In Abraham's time, God, our God, the Jehovah Yahweh, was not the only God that was served. Y'all know that? There was a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them. It had to be confusing whenever Abraham said, they said, where are you going? I'm going to go. I'm going to follow God. Which one? Mm, that one? You're going to think there's multiple altars. There's multiple gods. It's a little bit confusing for Abraham to say, I'm going to go follow God. And I want to tell you this in today's world, a world that's very compartmentalized, a world that is very divided. Whenever you make the decision and you say, you know what? I've been going this way, but God's asked me to do something. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go follow God. They want to know what version. Yeah. Is it like the AG God, the Baptist God, the Methodist God, the Lutheran God? Yeah. Is it the UPC God? Like what farmer God are you serving? <laughs> if you're watching online, pray for me. <laughs> we pick all these different stupid things. We, we don't know because the world, they don't understand either. Because most of the world, you know it or not, they've never lived in a relationship with God. We live in a relationship with religion. We live in a relationship with church. I show up. I look good. I, how you doing, Pastor? So good to see you. Love you. <laughs> I, I've, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Whenever I was in seminary, they wanted us to teach. It was like 100 Bible studies. I don't remember what it was. It was some, back then, I thought, ridiculous number. I'm supposed to go door knocking. <laughs> Hi, I'm Elder. You know, I'm kidding. We didn't, <laughs> I didn't have the It's different, different denomination. Not <laughs> And, 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 and they gave us, we had this thing, uh, oh man, not in his steps, what was it called? Somebody help me, y'all remember? Search for truth. That was if you're going to sit down with them. But you had the old two-pager too, it was black and yellow, I don't remember what it was called anymore. Man, that's going to drive me nuts. Anyway, but they wanted us to go knock on the door and, you know, hey, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Look like a weirdo, for the record. I'm sorry, look, I love Jesus, I love witnessing to people, I do it almost every single day of my life. 
But I was like, I look like a total words. <laughs> so I, get, I, I, I knocked on the door. It was a lady's door one time. It was, a, it was a young couple. And I'm in the middle of the hood because I like, they were realer than the rich side of town. So I, I, I knock on the door, and a lady comes to the door, and she looks at me, and I looked at her, and I had my little pamphlet, and I rolled it up, put it in my back pocket. I looked at her. I said, I got a question. She said, yeah. I said, if Jesus had knocked on the door and not me, would you feel comfortable talking to him? She stopped. She had dishes in the background. I could see her husband. He was to the right. I can still see it today. Small living room, kitchen, or like a sitting area, kitchen, living room to the right. And she stopped dead in her tracks. So tears began to well up, and she said, no. I have a question. Can we come back and talk about it? Because I got no follow-up, and all I know is search for truth. <laughs> I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Actually, I need to go back to my dorm room and figure out what happens next. <laughs> and it shifted to where all of a sudden I started showing up and I did something. I did it here one time. What God had me do instead was go back to her house with a book, a children's book, The Velveteen Rabbit. And I read The Velveteen Rabbit <laughs> to her. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? And her husband, I'll never forget, he was watching something, I'll just say very vulgar, on TV. And the more I talked, the louder he turned the volume up. And he was like, maybe from me to Miranda. His chair turned around backwards. And he's watching shows that you pay for. And he'd get louder and louder. And I'm like, dear Lord. Continue to talk, continue to talk. I get to the very end and I ask the question, what is real? You didn't expect Jesus. And where's your real? I never forget the volume started coming down, 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 down. And I see the chair start to turn. He turns until he's facing me. He looked at me. He said, little preacher. He said, I don't know who you are. He said, but nobody's ever asked me that question before. You see, what happens is, is we want a relationship with God. I want to be Christians. But we forget how to be real. How do we forget how to be real? It's because the truth is, is our reality is tied to idols that we've placed in our lives, people. And the truth is, is that a lot of times your idol is not a thing, but it's an expectation. Do me a favor this morning. Would you raise your hand if God's ever given you a promise? I give you a promise. Your hand back down. For the honest people here, if God gave you a promise, hasn't come to pass yet, would you raise your hand? Put your hand back down. Okay. That was my sign to keep going. Another six hours and 45 minutes. Calm down. <laughs> if you're wondering if your relationship has expired, there's a very simple thing you can do. Ask yourself, Am I going in circles? <laughs> Am I going in circles with this? Is our relationship just the same old thing over and over and over again? I remember my wife and I had an argument one time. Believe it or not, I know it's crazy. It's hard to imagine. But one time we had an intense moment of fellowship with one another. And we're sitting down, we, go, we, we tie into it. And, I, and I, I thought to myself, I was like, we done had this argument like 16 times. It's like every four months we're back to the same thing. Just me? Y'all do it too? It's like every, I feel like we're, we're talking about the same thing. 
We get over it. We make up. It's wonderful. And the next thing you know, we're fighting all over again. Same jump. Big circle. Why in the world? What do I do? How do I stop the circle? I'm tired of fighting in circles. God had warned them in Deuteronomy, though. You see, God had brought them out. He says, don't date the Hittites, the parasites, the termites. He said, I'll turn. It will turn your hearts into idols. God had already told them what to do. Why, though, did the people of Israel have such a fight staying right? Just like the world today. They kept connecting themselves to the wrong people. We always think about Samson, right? Samson, he had Delilah. Samson and Delilah. But the truth is, Delilah wasn't the first. We had the Riddler before that. Y'all remember her? I'm going to ask you a riddle. Throw a riddle out there. The Bible says that, that she caught his eye. <laughs> caught his eye. Oh, look at that. Anybody here, men? Men, did your wife catch your eye? Let me tell you something. Like, I, I saw my wife. I was like, woo! <laughs> caught my eye. And I find it funny that of all things, the woman that caught Samson's eye, what happens in the end, the Bible said that his eyes was plucked out. The thing that caught his eye was the thing that ended up making him completely blind. It was the thing that took his sight. So this is just a short warning. Be careful for what catches your eye. Be careful for what catches your eye. Some relationships need to expire. Some relationships that have reached their expiration date should have never started it, had a start date. Should have never, I should have never talked to him. Solomon, one of the wisest men ever, right? Wisest man, one of the wisest men to ever live. Couldn't connect to people that didn't know God. All the wisdom bad at connection. There was an attraction to them that messed him up. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. I wish I'd have took that to heart at about 16 years old. It would have changed my life. Bad company ruins good morals. Don't be missionary dating for my single people. You know what missionary dating is? Oh, God's going to touch them. He's going to bring them in. They're going to be wonderful. Next thing you know, they'll be a saint. We're just going to keep witnessing. No, baby, let me tell you something. Stop missionary dating. Go find you somebody godly. Amen. They're going to be good. Just give them time. Now, we can talk about the text that I started with, Father Abraham. Father Abraham. <laughs> I want to see how I went to Sunday school. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right on. My elbow's hurt. <laughs> I hurt my shoulder. <laughs> Abraham lived on forever. Number one hit in Sunday school. Let's be honest. Be out. Jesus loves me, right? <laughs> we loved it as kids. Father Abraham, one of the biggest people. He was the father of our faith, the Bible says. He was called by God to a land that God said, I will show you. Oh, God says, I'm going to show you a new. Man, this is who Abraham was. That's faith, to live, to leave what is familiar and go. That's faith. Anybody here other than me ever left something familiar? That's how I ended up in Florida, for the record. I left something that was familiar to go where God said, you got to go. To leave it, this is what Abraham does. God is not going to give you the full picture if you're waiting on it. For those of you here who said God gave me a promise and it hadn't happened yet, I'm going to give you a hint. First of all, God's not going to give you the full picture. It's not how he does it. it, it, it You've got to learn to have faith while the picture is still loading. <laughs> God, I don't know what you're doing here. You've got to learn to have faith while the picture is still loading. God's not going to give it to you. He wants you first to do one simple thing, and it is to go. God didn't start his instruction with go to a land I'll show you. He started it with something better than that. He said, leave your country and your kinfolk. <laughs> leave your country and your kinfolk, and go to a land I will show you. 
You see, the call of faith starts with separation. It's an, it's an expiration. The call of faith to get and doing what God has asked you to do, it starts first with allowing some things to, to expire, to letting some things go. Is there someone here who will be a witness that you had to separate yourself from some things and let, 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 let things expire so that you could find yourself in a place of faith? Is there anybody here other than me that, that had to walk away from you to put some things down? You had, to, you had to let some things, you had to let some people go. I had to walk away from habits. I had to walk away from people. I wanted to change my life. I was worn out by my past and I was scared of my future. I knew that I, I, knew that I could make money. I knew that I could, I could work harder than just about any three Mexicans you'd find. <laughs> but I was deathly afraid of what all, all the hard work, what, what, is, what, what is it going to come to in the end? What am I going to look like laying in bed by myself as an old man? Because I've ran everybody off because work was my idol. What's it going to look like whenever I find myself on skid row with yet another needle in my arm because heroin was my idol? What's it going to look like when I find myself passed out again in Lake Charles, Louisiana because alcohol was my idol? What's it going to look like when I find out that I got illegitimate children because you see relationships were my idol? What does it really look like to separate myself? I had to let some people expire. I had to let some places expire. I had to let some things expire. And the way I put it is I had to turn my noun upside down and change my expletives to adjectives. All my teachers all appreciate that whole entire statement. I thought of it last night and I was like, I'm putting it in today just for my school team. I had to turn it around, change the way I talk. My wife too. Can I say it? What? Not that woman right there. I was in the U.S. Army, worked offshore. I never met a man in my life could cuss as much as she could. <laughs> I looked at her for such a beautiful woman. <laughs> you got the worst mouth I ever heard in my life. <laughs> True statement. It really did happen. Tongue. <laughs> I had to remove some idols in my life. So here is Abraham and Lot. Lot blessed by being only connected to Abraham. You see, Lot wasn't supposed to be there at all. He wasn't blessed. God didn't tell Lot go. Lot just hanging around by Abraham. Got blessed. I like people like that. Hang out with them. Hang out with them. Get a little run over. Come on, come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, you, everybody's looking for that rich uncle. Let's be honest. <laughs> He's going to die one day. We'll find out. Five million dollars, never heard of. This is, this is a position. Five million dollars, never heard of. This is, this is the position of Lot. He's blessed because he's connected to Abraham. This is, this is the position of Lot. He's blessed because he's connected to Abraham. The first step of Lot. He's blessed because he's connected to Abraham. The first step of faith and separation. Separation. In a culture that builds altars to several gods, like today, is to learn to allow things to expire and not care what somebody else thinks. Talked to a pastor yesterday. I said, hey, we got a facility in the back. You want to have church on Sunday nights? You don't have a building right now. Go back there and use the church. He looked at me like I was crazy. I said, hey, we're building the kingdom of God, not a church. Amen. He looked at me really funny. I said, bud, listen, are you bringing people to Jesus? He said, yeah. I said, that's good enough. We don't agree on everything. I don't care. My God's big enough to fix you and your church. I didn't tell him that. I thought it, though, I'll be honest with y'all. 
I sounded real cocky when I said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't have that much faith. He's bigger than me and my right shoulder's hurt. God blesses, though. He blesses Abram, even through all the weird stuff. Y'all think that Abraham was like this great guy. Did you know that Abraham passed his wife off as sold it to somebody else? Weird. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I told my wife, no, you go, you just, I'm going to have you marry him. Be a bad day at ye old ranch. Not gonna, and it, you know what's crazier than that is, is that his son did the same thing. It passed down from one generation to the next. The next thing you know, his son is doing the same thing. Through all of this, God is still blessing. I'm going to ask you a question. What your family are you repeating? It might do some of y'all some good to do some personal spiritual ancestry.com. Hey, Pops, now that we're adults, did you ever have a problem with? But what did your relationship look with Mom before you divorced? Because I'm married now, and I don't want to it, it wouldn't hurt for somebody here as an adult to stop and say, hey, I need to learn something. Something new. Something new. Through all this, God's still blessing. You know, Abraham and Lot, they're close. They're, they're family. And they run into one thing that all relationships are going to have at some point or another. Look at your neighbor. Look at the person you hadn't been looking at and say, conflict. Conflict. Now, I would have thought that the problems would have come from a different area. I would have thought that the problems would have been between Abraham and Sarah. Why? Because he sold her. But instead, it's Abraham and Lot. But it's not even them personally. It's the cowboys out in the field. That's where it all starts out. It's the cowboys in the field being cowboys. It's, it's, now, I expect them to act like idiots. I would have thought it would have been between Abraham and Sarah for him giving her away. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, conflict. conflict. Y'all know that y'all have some conflict. Stop seeing conflict as something that's negative and start seeing it as something that's positive. What do you mean? You see, conflict is the price that you pay for intimacy. If God didn't, if God didn't have to grab you and shake you until your teeth rattled, men, if your wife didn't have to look at you and tell you you're being an idiot, then you probably never have the relationship that you do. Ladies, let me tell you something. Sometimes your, God, your man might say something that's godly. And whenever you learn to respect that person, because God might be leading them in a place that you're deaf and you, 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 you were just, you know, I, you, and she just took my eye, Pastor, and I don't know, I'm blind now. Maybe God's speaking to her. Maybe it's not what you think it is. I want to ask everybody here this question, simply this. And this, I, this is something that not taught in school, not preached about really much. How do you handle conflict? Thought about it? How do you, are you a stormtrooper? Just stomp off into the, into the, into the clear blue yonder. Like, how, how, do you handle, how do you handle, you cuss? How do you handle conflict? Emotional? <laughs> no matter what they say, you just start bawling your eyes out. <laughs> Hoping that they'll just shut up. Hey, pester them. Let's talk about it. I want to hear. What do you got to say? Huh? I'll say it again. I want to hear. What do you got? No, no, we're not going to bed. You're not going to sleep right now. Turn over. Get up. Turn on the light. We're going to talk about it right now. Uh-uh. It's not over with. Yo, you're not having breakfast in the morning. Pancakes? Pfft, forget that. You'll have oatmeal for the 19th time out of a package that you heated up. How do you handle conflict? Passive aggressive? No, I'm good. No, I'm, I'm, everything's okay. Fine. I'm good. Good. You become spiritual with it? Oh, I know who I am in Jesus. <laughs> Church people. How do you handle conflict? 
Really interesting. How do you how do you handle it when things go wrong? Are you willing to say, hey, look, let's have a conversation? I, I think, think some, some, we make it help. God may be able to help us through this. Conflict is gonna happen. I want to ask you the question in your relationships. In the U.S. Army, we have a thing called ROE, R-O-E, Rules of Engagement. Who all here has rules of engagement in your marriage? You know, in my home, we don't use the D word. We don't talk about divorce. You know why? Because if you throw it around long enough, it'll become something. I don't recall us ever in our, in our relationship having an argument and saying, I want a divorce. No, we don't say that word. You know why? Because we believe God put us together. And maybe if you're using that word, you don't have a problem with a person, but you have a problem with faith. Maybe you ought to talk to God about what he's put you into and you ought to learn to work through it and stop trying to make it expire. Conflict will happen. What are your rules of conflict? Did you know that when you say a word, you don't know how long that word will live in somebody else's head? It was a hard lesson I had to learn. I didn't know how long it would go on. Funny that they started fighting when they got more possessions. Abraham and Lot, you think money's going to fix it? It's not. So you know, I done been there. I done done that. Only thing difference is you'll just be fighting in a bigger house. <laughs> Same fight, prettier car. <laughs> they thought it was money. You see, it's not that there's fighting between Abraham and Lot. The truth is, and the problem is, the fighting is unnecessary. David, come on back. I'm going to land this airplane. The problem is, is that the fighting is completely unnecessary. There's no reason for them to be fighting. What do you mean? They're not supposed to be fighting anyway. Genesis chapter 12 says, God said, leave your country and your kinfolk. God had told Abraham what to do. Leave your country and your kinfolk. Lot is Abraham's nephew. Lot, what are you doing? You see, the problem is, is Abraham had a lot to get rid of. I'm proud of this church. Y'all got it. <laughs> Abraham had a lot to get rid of. Couldn't figure out what he's supposed to do. Lot, Abraham's nephew. Abraham left his country, but he couldn't get away from family. Mm. Yeah. Anybody here ever felt like God brought you into a new place, and next thing you know, you get home, it's like, hey, gummit. That same old sinner still there. Now, we got to give Abraham options. We have Abraham giving options. Left, I go right, go right, I go left. <laughs> Lot's only there because he's connected to Abraham. He's not some, God ain't blessed him. He's only by connection. Lot's not the one that's blessed. Why, why are they connected? Why is Abraham allowing this? You see, it's hard to understand someone if you don't know the history that brought them to where that they are. I see people in relationships all the time. I don't know why she's acting like it. You know where she came from. But what created? You see, everybody here knows Abraham and Sarah, right? I remember the story back years ago. Abraham and Sarah, a couple, they had one thing, one thing they had. The Bible says that she was barren. You have to understand biblically the difference of where they are at compared to where we are at today. Not having a child back in those days was even more than that. It's the reason why there was a woman who said, God, give, give, give me a child or I'll just, just, I'd rather be dead. 
desire. Now, if we look at Lot, Lot's his nephew because Abram's brother, his name is Haran. The Bible says that his father, Lot's father, died whenever Lot was very young. So she said, boy, he dies. So I asked myself, why, how, how, did, how, did, how did Lot, now how are they in this situation anyway to his nephew? It's kind of weird. I know families stayed together back in the day, but this is, this is over the top. And all of a sudden I thought to myself, no, 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 no. It's because Abraham and Sarah, they had one thing they wanted the most, and it was a child. They wanted a kid, man. They wanted a kid. So now here stands Lot. They can pull Lot in. And, and, but what happened was this. God had given Sarah a promise. mistake of, of, of one person getting near Sodom it wasn't, it was, you see they should have never been in that situation to begin with, the problem is, is they made an idol of a promise by making an idol of the timing of God it's not that God's promise wasn't true, yes and amen it's not, I'm going to tell you somebody, somebody here this morning, you, you, you fought us so stinking hard against God because you said God you've promised me something and it's not happening let me tell you what happens. You begin to make an idol of the timing of God. What else in the world? Let's be honest. A little TMZ biblical style. What else in the world would make Sarah go, hey, here's a servant lady. Why don't you go in the room with her? And Like, like God's going to deliver a promise from, 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 no, that's how I know that it was an idol made. You'd be shocked at what you'll do whenever you make an idol out of something. God's promise. I've seen entire churches take, and they say, well, God's going to do this. Hold on to it. See, marriage is broken apart because, oh, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, and if he don't, I'll get rid of him. He says, no, you don't understand. I got a plan. Next thing you know, Sarah's making, they're making an idol. Making an idol. An idol. Sodom completely different because I realized the result of bad timing is the person that you love the most. They don't turn their face towards the God that you serve. Instead, they turn their face towards what seems to be freedom. Now, whenever I'm trying to lead somebody to God, I'm trying to lead somebody to God the only thing that they can see is the sin of the world no clue what I'm supposed to do all I can see is the sin that's around me all they can do is reach further and further into the, into the depths of depression and anxiety all they can do is go further into addiction I'm trying to help them God no you wasn't supposed to be there in the first place you made an idol of a promise that God gave you whenever he said my intention was to fix their heart. I wanted to be the person. Because let me tell you something, God will never turn your face towards Sodom. If God gets a hold of them, their face will always be towards the cross. 
If God gets a hold of somebody, they will always find themselves going up Golgotha's hill. They will always find themselves walking to a place. They say, God, whatever I got to give up, whatever I got to quit, whatever it is, God, I need you because I love you. Because only the love that God gives is a perfect love. There is no way that your love can be perfect like his love is. You can't love it out of them. You can't give it to them. You can't give them enough money. You can't buy them a house. You can't buy them an airplane. You can't give them a car. There's nothing that you can do that will turn their face away from sin because the problem is is you're trying to turn them towards you and God says it's not your job. What I want you to do is introduce them to me. Let me carry them from a place of sin and walk them up a hill to a cross called Calvary. And if you'll get them to a place called Calvary, show them love. You've never known love. You can't love them like I can. Because at some point, they'll run you into the ground and you'll be sick of it. And you'll be wanting to divorce yourself from somebody that God called you to. You'll be ready to walk away from a job that God gave you. Make idols of it. There's some people here, you pray, God, give me, give me, God, if you just give me this job, if I can make it to a certain place, the next thing you know, God answers your prayer. You're not showing up on Sunday. Now you ain't got time for it. God, give me a child. If you give me a child, I'll give them back to you. You don't come to church on Sunday because they got a baseball game. Now you ain't got time to pray around the bedtime anymore because we stayed up till 11 o'clock leaving practice. An idol. It's not popular preaching in today's world, but this little preacher is going to preach it. An idol of a relationship. But the idol is actually the time. It's the time. in the house this morning say, God, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm willing to wait. Okay, well, let's all stand. Keep your head bowed and your eye closed. We'll stand for me all across the house. I'm willing to wait. I had no idea that this summer would end the same way as the last one did about waiting, but apparently God's got something for somebody this morning. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I know you're preaching to me. I know you're preaching to me, God. I'm the one that, that I've made an idol. I've made an idol of the timing of the promise that you've got for me. Would you do me a favor? You ain't got to leave your hand up, but would you put your hand up just for a second? You can put it back down. God, if I've made the mistake. I want to tell you something this morning. God has kept this little preacher in a place of just submission to him for weeks right now because he wants you to hear this word. God's intent is not for you to sit around and wait forever. His intent instead is that you would get rid of the idols that you have created complaining about the timing of God. His intent is that you would live for Him. Give your people and your places to Him. I want everybody to look at me. I'm not going to end on that note. I told you. I hope you listened. Now, this is what got me. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14 through 17. Get to the end of that, right? 
Abraham, left, right, left, right, left. We all made our difference. We sold our separate ways. What happens next? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 13, verse 14, and the Lord said, wait, after, you see, Abraham, Abraham had to get to a place where he said, enough's enough. God called me. God told me. I know it don't look cool. I want you don't agree. He said, I'm going this way. Whenever he separated himself, what happens next? The Lord said, God begins to speak. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. You feel like you have not heard the voice of God in such a long time that you don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn and you don't know where to go. Let me tell you something. If you will learn to separate yourself from the sin that's in your life, if you'll learn to separate yourself from the people that keep dragging you down, if you will learn to sacrifice the idols that you've been carrying to the altar and say, God, it's only your will, not mine anymore, God. God will speak. He said to Abraham, after Lot had parted from him, after he got up and walked away, he said, look around from where you are. Look around, Abraham. Look around. I want you to look where you're at. To the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. He said, and all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count all the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you something. If you will listen to the word of the Lord, if you will learn to separate, if you will sacrifice an idol, God says, I'm going to do something that you've never known before, that you've never seen before. I've been wanting to give it to you. God, I've been waiting on your promise. He says, no, baby, I'm waiting on you to get rid of the idol of complaining about my timing because if you will sacrifice it, everything that I've wanted, I'm going to give it to you. That's where God's at with you right now. That's where God's at with you right now. He's not, he ain't forgot about you. It's not that his timing is different. It's not that God says, oh, I'm going to wait till they quit. No, God is waiting for you to sacrifice everything to him. Now, I'm done. I know what God was doing this morning. Every person in this house, one last time, every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, I pray that the Holy Ghost that has been sweeping over some people in this room will give them a gut-level desire a gut-level desire to change, to be different. God, I pray that they go home and they build an altar next to their bed, that they build an altar in their relationship. They build an A-L-T-A-R, not an emergency, God, but they build a relationship with you like they never have before, God. But we give it all to you, Jesus. God, whatever the timing is, whatever your intent and purpose is for their relationship, God, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that these people, God, who are called by your name will humble themselves and pray and seek your face so that their prayers may be righteous and your will will be done. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody said in Jesus' name.
one more time in Jesus' name.